Uh, if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 17 uh, for our passage this morning. Uh, the idea is uh, for the month of August is that we have uh, worked through passages regarding the, the qualifications and the calling of officers in the church, elders and deacons, as we've encouraged you to nominate men for those offices. Uh, and so today we're looking at kind of the flip side of that, if you will, or maybe perhaps zooming out a little bit uh, to consider the Lord's call on the whole of the congregation of God's people on uh, the design of the ministry of the church, the congregation of God's people. And so for that, we'll look to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Uh, and I'll ask if you're able, would you stand with me as we read from God's word? Pay careful attention. This is God's word. Paul writes, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended, far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ." As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you would make your word a swift word passing from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip in conversation, that as the rain does not return empty, so neither may your word, but it might accomplish that for which it is given. And so we ask that you would illumine our hearts and minds this morning. Help us to understand your word. Help us to receive it with faith and love, to lay it up in our hearts and to practice it in our lives. And in all things, we pray that you would help us to see Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen. Uh, while I was in college uh, at Winthrop, several of us one weekend took a trip to visit a friend's home. Their, their home church was having a big missions festival fundraiser, and there was going to be barbecue and things like this. And so it sounded like a fun road trip to take. Uh, so several of us went and uh, went to our friend's home, and her dad uh, had a large building out back behind the house. 
And as you can imagine, it was filled with the types of things you would expect to find in a large building out behind the house. As he took us uh, on a tour of his building and all of the things that were in there, uh, he proposed a wager to us. He took a tool uh, from one of the benches that was in there, and he, he showed it to us, and he said, if you can guess what this tool is designed for, I'll give you $50. Um, the tool was kind of a cast iron square rod, and it had two squares on either end, one slightly larger than the other. I wonder if any of you know what this tool is or if my description is adequate to paint that picture in your mind. Uh, since I didn't grow up around buildings out back filled with things that occupy buildings out back, I had no idea what this thing was. But I thought, well, I'll take a jab at it. You know, maybe it's some sort of massive socket wrench for huge uh, nuts and bolts and, you know, things were about this big. So, I, you know, I, I took a stab at it, offered up a few guesses, and I was, um, I was way off. Now, I'm, I'm sure I had no idea what it was, but I'm sure that I could have come up with some way to use this tool, some way for it to function. But not knowing its design, not knowing its function, I wouldn't have been using it in a proper way, and, and it would not have been used to its best uh, ability, if you will. It would not, it would not, have, it would not have been thriving uh, as a tool in that regard. The original design of this tool determined how it was to be used how it should work. And if I didn't understand that, I wouldn't know how to use it. It uh, turns out a man named Dr. Reinhardt had designed it to hold hogs by the snout so that you could read them, so, or so that you could lead them. So if you look up Dr. Reinhardt's handy hog holder, you'll find a picture of this cast iron tool with two squares on either end, one slightly larger than the other. Knowing the original design of the tool enables you to use it properly. It works best when it's used in accordance with its design. And the same is true of the church of Jesus Christ. Our, our view of what the church is, what the church is designed to do, how the church ought to uh, function as God has given it uh, to her, our view of the church impacts the way we function as a church. It impacts the way we operate, the things that we do, the reasons behind the things that we do. Uh, and so it's important for us to have a firm grasp on God's design for the church, her purpose, uh, her design, her goals, so that we can operate in the way that Christ intended. Think about it this way, just by way of uh, contrast, uh, and, and I'm, I'm borrowing this from a great book, The Trellis and the Vine, so I, I claim no credit for, for this. Um, some, some may view the church, they say, uh, as a department store. Okay, so kind of follow the analogy for a minute. Some may view the, the, the church as a department store. It's got lots of different services that it offers, uh, you know, maybe a wide range of employees that work there, and those who, those who come to the church are like consumers coming to a department store. There's services that are provided for them. They benefit from those services, and the people who work there are the ones who provide the service. And in that way, uh, you might measure success by how many services you offer, by how many activities you can schedule uh, to provide the need for the needs of those who are the consumers. And in that way, the success of the church might be measured by the number of programs 
the number of activities, and how many attend those programs and activities. If your view of the church is that it's like a department store that offers lots of services, then what the church ought to do will be determined by that view. And the success and the fruitfulness and faithfulness of the church will be determined by how you view the church. We've spent the last few weeks looking at the Bible's teaching on church officers, elders, and deacons, their character, their calling, their ministry. And we've seen how those, those offices, the work that they're called to do are in large ways shaped by, uh, it's in large ways shaped by the ways in which those offices are described. Elders are shepherds. Their task is to care for the spiritual well-being of the flock. Deacons are servants. Their task is to serve both physical and spiritual needs of the congregation and encourage that heart of service among the church. When it comes to the church itself, we find something similar. The Lord has designed the church to function in a certain way, to fulfill God's unique plan for her in carrying out the redemption of the world applying that redemption that Christ has secured for us. Here in our passage this morning, we see that the church is the body of Christ, equipped for ministry, helping one another to grow in conformity to Jesus. To put it another way, Paul tells us that Jesus now ascended on high as he descended in his incarnation. He is now ascended uh, in his resurrection and ascension Jesus has given a diversity of gifts to the members of his body that we might build one another up in love, growing in conformity to Christ. And so we see first that Jesus gives a diversity of gifts to the members of his body. Look with me, if you will, at verses 7 through 12. Jesus gives a diversity of gifts to the members of his body. Leading up to this point, if you just look back in verses 5 and 6, Paul is emphasizing the unity of the church. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then he shifts gears a little bit and begins to focus on the diversity of the church. It's one body, but to each one Jesus has given gifts of grace. The unity of the church, if you will, is served by the diversity of gifts that Christ has given to his people. The church, therefore, is supposed to pursue unity, pursue the building up of maturity. And here, Paul points out that the practical way we seek that is through the use of these gifts that Jesus has given to each one. So verse 7, he says, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Which is another way of saying every member of the church of Jesus Christ has been given by Jesus gifts for ministry and is called by God to use them for his purposes. Paul calls these gifts grace because they are gifts of grace from Christ And he says that they are given according to the measure of Christ's gift, which is another way of saying Jesus gives you what you need when you need it. He he supplies for the needs of his church exactly when we need them so that we might serve one another 
and love. He doesn't give everybody the same gift. It's not uniformity, but rather it's diversity so that we will learn to depend upon the Lord and upon one another for serving our practical and spiritual needs. Or another way to say it is this. No member in the church, no one member in the church is perfectly equipped to do everything that is needed for the building up of the body of Christ. But rather, Jesus has given a diversity of gifts so that everyone laboring and ministering and serving together contributes to the bigger picture of building up the body. This is what uh, Ed Welch in his book Side by Side describes as being needy and being needed. All of us are needy. None of us has everything in ourselves that we need for spiritual growth and maturity. Uh, we need one another. We're all needy. And yet each of us in the body of Christ is also needed. If you were to, I'm not going to ask you to do this because it would feel awkward, but if you were to just pause for a second and look around you, <laughs> look, look at the people that surround you in the pews, these are the gifts that Jesus has given to you to encourage your spiritual growth in Christ, to meet both physical and spiritual needs as members of the one body of Christ. He hasn't put all of those gifts in just one person. They're not in the pastors. They're not, in any, they're not just in the elders or in the deacons. He has distributed his gifts across the body of Christ so that all that you need, all that the church at Filbert needs, Christ has given to the members to serve one another, to build up the body. Paul highlights this when he uses the metaphor of the body. Uh, notice verse 12. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given to equip the saints for the work of service, for the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. It's kind of an organic image. There's, there's this connection. There's this unity between the, the head, Jesus Christ, and the rest of the body and all of the members. There's one body, but there's many members. And all of the members contribute to the growth. They all work together. We all belong to Jesus and therefore belong to one another as his body. If one member is lacking, one member is hurting, we all are meant to feel it and to step in, to serve, and to build up in love. You the members of Jesus's church at Filbert have been specifically gifted and called to meet the needs of the church around you as it grows into maturity. Paul, Paul talks about these gifts in other places in, in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says that the Spirit gives a diversity of gifts for the common good, that, that whatever you have is meant to build up and serve the whole body. This also means that every member matters for the ministry of the church. In the church that I grew up in, in uh, Columbia, we, had, uh, we met in a school auditorium. Uh, we were kind of a church plant for the entire existence uh, that, that I was there. And on the, on the bulletin, on the back of the bulletin, you know, like on ours, you have the pastoral staff and, and elders and deacons and so forth listed there. On the back of the bulletin in my church growing up, you had the pastor listed, Pastor Kenny Crosswhite. And then underneath that, it said, uh, ministers, every member. And, and the idea that it was trying to communicate was that 
was what, is what Paul is saying here, that Christ has gifted each of us, each of you, for ministry in the body of Christ. Each of us is gifted to serve and to build up one another. Now, what does that look like? What does that look like? Very simply, it might look like looking for needs in the congregation that you can meet or help others to meet those needs. It might be asking the question, is there someone that I can invest in to help them know, trust, and follow Jesus well? Is there someone that I can encourage and walk with in discipleship, reading the Bible together, praying, encouraging one another, meeting for accountability and Christian growth? Are you developing relationships in the church to help others walk faithfully with Christ? It might also look like asking for help, letting other people in to know uh, the areas where you are needy and to see where they are needed for you. There's lots of ways that the members of the Church of Christ serve one another. Jesus gives gifts to the members of his body, equipping us to do the work of ministry. And it's largely the task of the, of the pastors to equip the body of Christ to carry out those deeds of ministry and love. Notice also, though, that Paul not only highlights how Jesus gives gifts to the members of his body, but he also highlights the goal of what we might call mutual ministry. The goal is to build up the body. Again, verse 12, pastors and teachers equip the saints for the work of service unto the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man. It might help you to remember it this way. Uh, Paul uses several analogies to describe the church or several word pictures to describe the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the building of God. Uh, uh, the church is, well, we'll just take those two things. The church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the, build of, the building of Christ, the building of God. So here we might say that the church is being described as a bodybuilding bride. I don't know if that helps you picture that. Uh, I, I could have Googled for images of that, I guess, but I'm not sure what I would have come up with to put in the bulletin to help you remember that. The church is the bodybuilding bride of Christ, which is another way of just saying that the, the main aim of the ministry that Jesus gives to the members of his body, the main aim of that ministry is spiritual growth which comes in a couple of different ways. It might mean conversion growth. Somebody comes to Christ, that's growth. It's being brought into life out of death. It might also mean, and most often means on a regular basis, discipleship growth. That the aim of all ministry given to the church is spiritual growth. People growing spiritually as they follow Jesus. One writer describes it in this way, that the goal of the church's ministry Every member's ministry is making and nurturing genuine followers of Christ through prayerful, spirit-backed proclamation of the word. Making and nurturing genuine followers of Christ through prayerful, spirit-backed proclamation of the word. In other words, when you, if you were to boil down the main task of ministry in the church, you could say that that task is spiritual growth. Uh, this, this book that I mentioned earlier, the, the Trellis and the Vine, they use 
uh, that as kind of a main metaphor for communicating the ministry of the church. Sometimes uh, in order to accomplish growth, like on a vine, a church will establish a program, a trellis, a structure to hold the vine, to help promote growth. But often over time, what happens is that the focus of the ministry shifts from the growth of the vine to the shoring up of the trellis. You got to make sure the structure is there. You got to build up the structure. So for example, many churches may uh, establish some sort of program or ministry that's uh, aimed at uh, outreach. And then over the course of years, the, the goal of that ministry begins to fade and the focus becomes just keeping the program going, even though it may not be accomplishing the goal of outreach, the goal of spiritual growth. Uh, some of you have, have gardens or flower beds around your house. You may have a trellis with a vine growing up on it. Maybe some of you have a vine that is so healthy, that is so uh, full of life that it has collapsed the trellis behind it. The trellis can't hold it anymore. So what do you do? Well, you could, I guess you could just cut the vine down and completely kill it of all life, or you could provide some other form of structure underneath it. Often what we do is we cut the vine because we want to preserve the trellis in some way. Paul is reminding us that at the heart of Christian ministry, among every member of the body of Christ, the goal of that is spiritual growth. Not the programs, not the activities, not the structures that are promoting that, though those are good and valuable, but the aim in everything should be growth. What does that growth look like? Uh, in a word, it looks like maturity in Christ. Paul highlights that in verse 13 and following, where he describes that this building up of the body of Christ is until we attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man. That means maturity in convictions, knowing what you believe and being committed to that, as Paul describes in verse 14, no longer being like children, tossed about by every new fad that comes along, every wind of doctrine, every, every crafty scheme. We're not latching our hearts onto that, but we have firm conviction about who God is, about what he has said to us in his word, about who Christ is and what the gospel is, that there is conviction. There's also competence. Paul describes that as the knowledge of Christ, knowing Jesus, knowing what he has called you to do and the gifts that he has given for ministry. Sometimes it looks like loving confrontation. Notice verse 15. Paul says we're not to be tossed about here and there, carried about by every wind of doctrine, verse 15, but rather speaking the truth in love. We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Uh, Paul is known for making up words, or not, not making them up, but using new words in his letters. And this is, this is one of those literally Verse 15 says, truthing in love, which is just a creative way of saying, speaking the truth in love. We grow into maturity, in other words, by helping one another fight sin as fellow soldiers in the trenches. Loving one another enough to speak the truth, to say hard things when it's needed, to, to point each other to Jesus to call for needed repentance over whatever sin there may be, and to walk side by side with one another, clinging to Christ, 
and the grace which alone is sufficient to help us to grow. Truth and love here are balanced. Love without truth simply gives license. Truth without love might condemn. But in the gospel, these things are joined together because in the gospel, we're told the truth about ourselves. Our our sin is revealed and exposed before the living God. We are seen as needy and we see our own hearts in deep need of the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ. We're told the truth about ourselves. Uh, Jesus doesn't candy coat that for us. He reveals it to us lovingly. And at the same time that truth is exposed, Christ gives himself to us in love, giving himself to us as our righteousness, covering over all of our sin, giving himself to us as our sacrifice on the cross, paying for the very penalty that our sin deserves. In the gospel, we see truth and love married perfectly in harmony and in unity. And Christ calls us to mimic that, to imitate that in our relationships with one another. Notice as well that that growth involves every member doing their part. Verse 16, how does Jesus grow his church? He grows it by what every joint supplies. The proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Jesus causes the growth of the church through the gifts that he gives. And those gifts are used in love. Now, let me, let me pause here for just a minute as we conclude to give, give you some encouragement uh, in this. Sometimes we can read these things and feel like, Oh, I just need to do more. There's so much I need to do, and now Dave's making me feel worse about it, that i got to do even more uh, because of what the Bible says and so forth. I want to just encourage you, uh, first, not to respond like that when I say things that are hard. But secondly, I just want to encourage you, uh, by my own encouragement, of how the Lord has blessed and equipped this church in so many ways to carry out uh, this vision, this, this view of what the church ought to be. I, I get the privilege of, of hearing, uh, hearing some of the things that each of you are doing to serve one another way outside of the spotlight. I get the privilege of visiting with people in their homes and they say things like, so-and-so has called me every day to check on me. So-and-so picked me up, took me to the doctor's office. I couldn't go by myself. They listened to the doctor, and they helped me understand what the doctor was saying. So-and-so took me to the grocery store. So-and-so was walking in the neighborhood and stopped by the house just to check in. Or I got a kind card of encouragement from someone uh, that they were thinking of me and praying for me. There are so many things that are easily done and often overlooked in the body of Christ, that when they are done for Jesus, all serve this purpose of building up the body in love. We have a ministry in our church that the women in the church are in charge of called Meals of Encouragement. Have you ever wondered why we don't just call that Meals of Nutrition? (laughs) Because we're not just providing, I say we, you, (laughs) Because you're not just providing food for the body. You're providing a ministry of presence, 
of showing up with some tangible, concrete token of Christian love and encouragement in a time when somebody needs it. And even though it's just a meal, you eat meals every day, uh, three of them sometimes, more or less, just depends. Even though it's just a meal, because it's done in the name of Christ, because it's an expression of the love of Christ for his body through the gifts that he has given you, it carries so much more weight. Its impact lasts beyond just the nutrition that your body receives from it. There are other ways, other ways that you are carrying out this uh, incredibly important ministry. There are ways that I've benefited from this, uh, from many of you. I get a text message. I'm praying for you. How are you doing? Or I, um, somebody calls just to check, see how things are going. How can I help? Uh, what can I do? All of these things may seem very small, may seem like, you know, what's, what's the big deal? Uh, and, and there's others. We could, we could go on and give lots and lots of illustrations. My point is, when you start to look around, you start to think about the needs that are present in the body of Christ, and you start to put that on your radar, then you don't have to, like, start to figure out, well, what, are my sp- what are my particular gifts? You know, can I do something here? Is, is my gift suited for this? And if it's not, then I can't do anything Once you start to see the needs of the body of Christ, develop those relationships and be connected to one another, once you start to see the needs, it's very easy to start to see how you can serve those needs and to develop a heart and a vision for seeing that and and serving one another. And when you do, you serve one another in love, helping each other to follow Jesus in practical ways, spiritual growth, and so forth. That's the way Jesus builds His body. That's the way the bodybuilding bride grows, uh, is through the gifts that he has given you. So I want to encourage you uh, with all the many ways that those things are going on in the body of Christ here at Filbert and encourage you to do it more and to think about how the Lord has called you and gifted you to serve one another in love and to pray and to watch how the Lord grows us in spiritual maturity and in love for his glory.